listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. So, who do you look like? Uh, Isabel, our youngest, uh, looks a lot like our oldest, Jackie, even though they're separated by seven and a half years. Uh, She has a lot of the same mannerisms, they like the same humor, Uh, their voices are similar. Sometimes if you've been confused listening to them on the phone or or getting messages from them, Uh, they use the same expressions, the same hand motions. And even though Isabel loves her sister, she doesn't always being like reminded, she doesn't always like being reminded that she resembles her sister. Because we all kind of want to be our own person, right? Uh, I, I want to be me, not uh, you know, another version of my older brother or my older sister. But none of us really are our own person completely, are we? I mean, obviously we all make choices, but the reality is we are the product of our families, uh, genetics, ethnicity, the culture and the community and the nation that we grow up in. All of that makes us who we are. And, and then we end up reflecting a lot of those same families of origin, all the good and the bad, the prejudices, the biases, the perspectives, the worldviews, the ways of seeing things. Our lives reflect what we love, what we hate, what we fear, what we value, what we prioritize. And that's not necessarily good news. Because the reality is we're a mixed bag. Uh, And there's some bad news in that for a couple of reasons. One, because I think we tend to reflect the the good and the bad in us, and we maybe don't measure them accurately. We probably tend to overestimate the good that there is in us and maybe underestimate the negative parts that are in us. And... uh, then our societies, our cultures, our families end up reflecting the good and the bad that's in us, right? Most of us don't like, for example, to have to look in the mirror too often or, uh, you know, have to stare at a mirror at ourselves for very long. Ever heard a recording of yourself singing or talking or had to watch a video of you presenting something? That was one of the worst parts of seminary, was having to preach sermons and then go back and watch the video of what I had said and review it. Who is that guy? And why does he sound like that? And what is he doing with his hands? And why is he saying um so much? That's really hard to have a mirror or a recording held up to us to help us see what we really look like and what we really sound like. Well, God sends his prophets to hold up a mirror, to reflect back to us what we really look like, and at the same time to help us see what God himself is like as well. It's a way of God saying, remember what I'm like, and here's what you look like, and how do those two line up? Well, today we're starting a new series in this book of Micah in the Old Testament. Uh, 
If you haven't already, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Micah. It's in the Minor Prophets, uh, just after Jonah. Uh, and the prophets are not minor because they're less important, but just shorter uh, than the major prophets. Uh, Micah is reminding us, he's reflecting some of what God is like, what God is like in his righteousness and his holiness and his, his justice and, and his mercy and his hope and his kindness and his glory. He's a God who delivers people from hopelessness and despair and, and changes us in profound ways. And he's a God who cares about us treating people with the same kind of love and covenant faithfulness and justice and goodness that he has shown to us. And, and since that's the way God is, part of what the prophets are saying and what Micah is saying is our lives should reflect what God is like. We ought to relate to people the way that God relates to people. Our lives should reflect his goodness, his justice, his glory. And we see that in perhaps maybe one of the most famous verses in Micah. Turn to Micah chapter 6. And if you know anything from this book, you maybe know this verse. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And that's a key verse for this series that we're going to be in for the next several weeks going through this book of Micah, a chapter at a time, a series called Reflect. Because this verse reminds us who God is and what we are to reflect of him in our lives. So now maybe none of us would argue with that, that yes, we ought to look more like Jesus. But why this book of Micah then? And, and why does this verse show up here? And why are we looking particularly at this book? Well, in the beginning of Micah's prophecy, his telling forth God's word, he kind of sets the stage for us. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So here's the context. Those kings that are mentioned are three kings of Judah, the southern kingdom where Micah lived in the second half of the 8th century before Jesus. So what that means is uh, these kings are mentioned whose lives cover, uh, cover several decades. And we know from other Old Testament historical books, this is a volatile and uncertain and stressful time in the life of God's people. Assyria is this major empire to the east that is rising in power and in Micah's lifetime is going to be sent by God to invade and destroy the northern kingdom of Israel, their capital at Samaria that he mentions there. And, and there was economic and social turmoil because with all this political instability, refugees and immigrants were flooding into Judah and then upsetting the economics and, and the rich people were concerned with maintaining what they had, and they didn't want all these people coming in and, and asking things of them and, and taking their jobs away. And, and, and the, we see the rich and the powerful dominating society, and taking advantage of the poor. And government and business and religious leaders have become corrupt and serving their own interests. 
Maybe Micah's world is not very different from our own. I think it has a lot of relevance for us. And the problem is that God's people are reflecting what's in their hearts, not what is in God's hearts. So here's the key point, especially for you younger people in worship today. If you have your outline, here's the key point. God wants our lives to reflect what he is like. God wants our lives to reflect what he is like. That's what he's saying in, in Micah 6.8, in that statement of what does God want from us? And that's the basis for the focus of this series in the book of Micah, that our lives should reflect more of God's justice, his mercy, and his glory, his awesomeness. And so three things that we're going to look at today from that outline, that summary that Micah gives us. And, and here's the first one, that God is just. God is just. That means he is righteous. He always does what is right. He treats people the way they deserve. He judges fairly. God says, I condemn the guilty and I acquit the innocent. I show no partiality. And God condemns the, the rich and the powerful who are using their power and their money to pervert justice and oppress and take advantage of other people. And as we go through this book, you're going to see that a lot of Micah's prophecy is holding up a mirror to God's people to show them, to make them see the injustice and the wrong that is taking place in the world around them, to warn of God's judgment that he's going to bring on his own people. If you turn to chapter 2, look in verse 8. God pictures his people as his own enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trusting in you with no thought of violence or war. The women of my people you drive out from their beautiful houses and their young children you take away my splendor forever. And then if you go forward to chapter 7, Look in verse 2. Here's, here's another picture. Micah says it, it towards the end of his prophesying career. It has gotten so bad that he says the godly have perished from the earth. There is no one upright. All of them are lying in wait for blood. They're hunting each other with nets. Their hands are on what is evil to do it. Princes and, and judges accept bribes. I mean, that could be taken from today's headlines, right? Do justice, Micah says. Do what is right. Treat people fairly because that's the way God is. And speak up on behalf of those who are treated unjustly. Aaron Layton uh, is an African-American man who went to the same seminary I did. He grew up in St. Louis. Uh, but he lived mostly in uh, white, Caucasian neighborhoods. He tells a story in one of his books of uh, one time he and a group of friends from his uh, church youth group were coming back from a ball game in St. Louis that had gone very late into the night. They were, they were coming home after midnight. And uh, the driver made a wrong left-hand turn. So they got pulled over by the police, as was appropriate. The officer shines his flashlight in the car, and he stops when he comes to Aaron. And he asks Aaron alone, do you have your ID? How old are you? What are you doing out this late? 
Do you know there's a curfew? And Aaron said, I, he gives him his ID. He says, no, I, I didn't know. And the officer writes him a ticket for being out past curfew. He didn't ask for anyone else's ID. He didn't ask anyone else what they were doing out so late. He didn't even give a ticket to the young lady who was driving the car, who made the illegal left-hand turn in the first place. And they drive away, and Aaron is waiting for his friends to acknowledge what had just happened, to, to, to at least empathize with him at the, the, how unfair this seemed. But nobody said anything all the way home. Aaron felt that, you know, he wondered, if, have I been singled out because I'm the only non-white person in the car, and are my white friends okay with that? Did, did it just not even register for them? Nobody stood up for Aaron. N nobody said that's unfair, or even if it was the right thing, to just say, man, I'm, I'm sorry for what happened. You see, what Micah is telling us is justice is not when things work out the way they ought to for me. Justice means things work out the way they ought to for everyone. That's God's concern with the world we live in and the society that we build. That all people would get treated fairly in our justice system. That, that the poor have the same rights as the rich and the same expectation of justice. That a, a, a rich, powerful person is going to spend just as much time in jail for committing the same crime as a poor, unimportant person. If the government says people have to wear masks, then everyone has to wear masks. And, and if people are breaking windows and, and breaking into stores, then they should all receive the same treatment from the police, whether they're protesting injustice or celebrating a hockey championship. And at the same time, we're, we're very thankful for the police and the job that they do in protecting the innocent and serving the public and enforcing the law because that's part of justice. But over and over again, God warns through the prophet Micah that injustice will be judged. And he calls people to repent, to turn from injustice, and do what is right. We ask for policies to be applied fairly to everyone. We don't play favorites. We, we apply the same standards to people that we agree with and that look like us as we do to people that we disagree with and maybe don't look like us. That, that means we want to elect judges and legislators and, and leaders who will work for the good of everyone in our community. Not just the people in our group. Not just for our interests. Because God is just. He does what is right. So we work and we advocate for God's justice to be reflected in our lives and in the world. That's bad news in one sense, because if God is only about justice, we are all in trouble. But God is also merciful. God shows kindness to undeserving people. He keeps his promises to us. He is a faithful, covenant-keeping God, and he saves us because we cannot save ourselves. Our hope is in God's has said, it's that rich word in chapter 6, verse 8, where God says, love kindness, love mercy, love covenant faithfulness, goodness, 
generosity because God maintains his faithfulness even to his disobedient, rebellious children. Look back in chapter 7 in verse 9, if you're following along there. Here's the prophet speaking on behalf of God's people saying, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out into the light and I will look on his vindication. Micah is saying, look, I, I know I deserve God's judgment. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not just. I know that I'm not right. But I will trust in him and in his mercy to sinful, undeserving people like me because that's his character. Uh, this last week, Randy and Allison and Alice shared their faith story with Pastor Joey, and uh, they were very open about the many challenges that they've experienced in their marriage, years of struggle and discouragement and loneliness that went all the way back, in fact, to their wedding night. Starting from that day, they, they had this experience where what collided together was their own sinfulness and their families of origin and some unhealthy ways of dealing with conflict and expectations for each other that all kind of exploded in this misunderstanding that just became lodged in both of their hearts over years and years of what became pulling away from each other and loneliness and discouragement in marriage. But God was working in their hearts and he softened their attitudes towards one another. He, he helped them to trust each other. He helped them mercifully see their own wrongs and what they had done to one another. And he helped them reach out to each other in kindness to, to honor the vows that they had made, to love and cherish and be faithful to one another. I really encourage you to, to watch or listen to that faith story because it's a beautiful picture of God pouring out mercy into Randy and Allison so that it would overflow to one another. God's people are unfaithful, Micah says. They have disobeyed, they have rebelled, they have hardened their hearts towards God and one another, but God remains faithful. He shows mercy. Look again back in chapter 7 and verse 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in kindness, in mercy, in steadfast love, in graciousness to undeserving people. God, even in this, this amazing picture back in chapter 4, he talks about uh, calling out from, from his people a remnant. And it's not the people who are righteous and good and strong. Look in verse 7. The lame I will make the remnant. Those who were cast off, I will make a strong nation. What a beautiful picture this is. In chapter 2, it's this picture of God as a shepherd. He says, I will assemble all of you, O Jacob, the remnant of Israel, like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture. God 
will be merciful and gracious because of his own faithfulness in spite of our faithlessness. And back in chapter 7, Micah again on behalf of the people says, God will call these people back to himself and he says, as for me in verse 7, I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation for he will hear me. Oh, what a, what a beautiful picture that is. I hope that you have come to know the Lord in that way. That you have come to know his mercy as you have turned from your sin and accepted Christ as your Savior. So that you would say, I will call out to him. I will wait for him. He is the God of my salvation. He will hear me. So that because... Because that's who God is, we love faithfulness. We love mercy. Keeping promises. Showing kindness to undeserving people. Showing the same kindness to others that we want for ourselves. That's what mercy means. That we don't get what we deserve, but God is gracious to us anyway. Because we love it. And we all have stories of God being patient and kind to us, don't we? I think the question Micah would raise for us is, do I love it when God blesses other people that I think don't deserve it? That's the measure of whether my heart is reflecting what God is like. Because God shows mercy and kindness to people who don't deserve it. God is just, God is merciful, and the other thing Micah shows us is that God is awesome. He is awesome. He is powerful. He is above everything. He rules over all. He has all wisdom and knowledge, and he alone is worthy of our worship. Look back at the beginning of this prophecy in chapter 1. Behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him. The valleys will split open like wax before the fire. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and the sins of the house of Israel. When Micah says God is going to come and tread on the high places, it's not like you know, Paul Bunyan and his blue ox walking on hills and you know, making dents and you know, the stories of where all the lakes came from in Minnesota. You know, he's talking about places of idol worship. He's, he's talking about he is the God who is above all of it and the nations are as a drop in the bucket to him. God is the only one who has all power, the only one who is always able to make all his plans come true, the only one whom no one can stop or thwart. And he scorns our reliance on ourselves and our own resources and projects. The, the people in Micah's day, in chapter 5, they, they bragged about their horses and chariots and, and they laughed from their fortresses and walled cities and Maybe our hope is in our military power, in tanks and planes and bombers and ships. They place their confidence in sorcery, which sounds so long ago and far away, and yet how often we put our hope in technology to solve all our problems and make life work out for us. They trusted in carved images, gods that would bless them and provide what they needed and 
we trust in the free market and an ever-expanding economy to provide a, a bottomless supply of wealth and resources for us. No, God is the only one who's in control of all of that, and he's the only one who is all-wise. No sorcerers, no fortune tellers, no palm readers, no astrology charts. Because God is the only one who deserves to be worshipped. And that means because God is the awesome one, we humble ourselves. We walk humbly before him. And that's hard for Americans. Because we know that we are the best. And it's especially hard for those of us who were born in Texas because we're the best of all Americans, right? I grew up hearing songs like, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. A lot of Micah's message is about a call to repentance and humility, to listen to things that we don't want to believe about ourselves. It's a call to be humble about our own opinions, our own wisdom. Humility in how we look at ourselves and how we look at others, how we maybe even look at our world. Now, for those of us who are Christians, that shouldn't be that hard because we hold in our head at the same time two completely opposite ideas. One, that we are all made in God's image, which means we are valuable, we are loved, we are cherished, we are precious. And at the same time, we are marred and broken in sin, we are rebellious, we are so stained and unable to heal ourselves that it's only God who can fix us. Christians know how to hold both of those truths together at the same time, that we are glorious and that we are deformed, which shouldn't surprise us then about our families and about our society and about our nation, because that's America too, isn't it? I mean, we are founded on some of the most amazingly wise insights and messages about created by God and equal before him with rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and, and wisdom in the structuring of our government. And yet, even before those documents were written, our nation was poisoned from before it even came into being with greed and Rebellion and pride and violence and envy. That's us. You know, some people are unable to see America as anything but a, a source of good in the world. And, and there's truth to that. America has been a source of good in so many ways. But there are other people who can see America as nothing but a source of evil and wickedness and pride and violence. Christians, we know that our hearts, our lives, our families, our nation, our societies all reflect the truth and the justice and the goodness of God and also reflect the brokenness and the ugliness and the depravity of our fallenness. And that makes us humble about ourselves, but it also makes us hopeful. It makes us hopeful because it, it means if God can change me, he can work through me to change the world around me. It's never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect until I see Jesus face to face. But it doesn't mean we can't make things better. But that only happens when we're honest, when we're humble. 
And it's because we know that God alone is all wise, all righteous, that we're humble. We don't trust our own wisdom so much. And, and we don't have to think that we have it all figured out. Micah helps us see how seriously God takes justice. That he cares that the world that we live in, the societies that we build, reflect his rightness, his justice. We also see God's mercy and his kindness in Micah. And even though God's people will not live up to his expectations, in mercy and kindness, he provides the one who will fulfill the law and do what is right. Maybe the other verse we know from Micah is in chapter 5 that we often hear at Christmas. Micah 5, 2. You, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient of days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He will rule in justice. He will lead his people in their ways. And he will bring God's mercy to us. God meets his own expectations for us in Christ, who demonstrated God's justice, who showed God's mercy and offered himself up humbly as a sacrifice for our sins. And the even better news is that one day Jesus is going to return to rule in righteousness and make us and make this world reflect what we ought to. So that we can say, as Micah says in chapter 4, and now all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. To walk in his name doesn't just mean to know his word and to even try to follow it, but to reflect him. Who do you look like? Reflect God's glory in your life, God's character in his justice, his mercy, and walking humbly with our awesome God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you send your prophets, you send your word to us to hold up a mirror to us. And that can be a hard thing to see, Lord. Soften our hearts and make us receptive to see the ways that we don't reflect you, the ways that we don't reflect your justice, your mercy, your awesome glory in walking humbly with you. Oh God, change us, save us, help us, because you are the help of the helpless, that we would reflect more of you in our lives, in our world. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.